This is the Courier Talking Football. I'm Eric Nicholson, and with me this week are Sean Hamilton and Jim Spence. Oh, gentlemen, I can't tell yesterday I thought this was going to be a nice, big, shiny loving about Dundee United, and oh, we will get on to that and how well things are going across the Tannerice, but good grief. What on earth is happening at Dens Park? I mean, it's when you... Obviously, I wasn't at the game. I don't think you guys were either, but we've, we've seen the goal. We've all seen the goals. We've read the quotes from James McPake, and... You know, we've all heard James McPig speaking at Denzo after after some really, really bad results and performances. And you kind of think, oh, is that the worst yet? Is that the worst yet? Is that the worst yet? Or according to James, this one was the worst yet. And Jim, I don't th- I think few Dundee fans would argue. I mean, the context of it, you know, you know, people, you know, Man United fans are, are, are absolutely irate at their team losing 5-0 to, to Liverpool, you know. It's not a compare and contrast, but Dundee have just lost 5-0 at home to the team at the bottom of the league. The nearest team to them, it doesn't get much worse than that in Premiership con- in context, does it? Uh, no, it doesn't, Eric. And uh, I mean, it's really, really worrying for the... Listen, it was worrying before they started the game, but at least they looked as though they'd put a couple of good uh, back-to-backs yeah, they together. Um, I mean, I should have been there last night. Something came up which which, which meant I couldn't be. I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of glad to a great extent I wasn't. I had to... I've just watched the highlights again, as I did last night. Um, I mean, 5-0 at home from a team like Ross County. But I, 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 I will... In, in Dundee's defence, I'll say this: I thought Ross County were, were excellent in the second yes. half against United. I thought there was a there was a football team in there bursting to get out. You know, we saw a Hungbo's goal and all the rest. I thought there were two or three guys in that side that looked exceptionally good, and I did wonder why they, why they were struggling down at the bottom end of the table. That that you know that that that's. Uh, that's as far as I'll go on that one because the truth of the matter is Dundee should not be getting horsed 5-0 at home. You could almost accept it with Rangers and Celtic with the, the vast difference in, in, in you know, purchasing power and wage power that these sort of teams have got for players. But not with Ross County. Um, so Malky Mackay is obviously, you know, has, has, has done well and kind of, you know, and, and, and or you know, looks as though he's kind of brought in a few decent players and all the rest and they're starting to gel. But from James McPake's uh, perspective, it was a horror show. An absolute horror show. Um, you know, the, 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 there was one of the goals that they could do nothing about. The Hungbow free kick was absolutely stunning and exceptional. But, you know, but the, the mistake by legs in the, the first goal, the long 60-yard diagonal for Harry Clark to, you know, to shuffle on down the right, burst into the box and, 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 and score an exquisite goal outside the foot, but without really a challenge and so forth. Um, it was just a, it was just a horror show. Um, and it now, uh, you know, it still leaves Dundee bizarrely in second spot. But I mean, last night, had they won that one psychologically and points-wise, it was a huge, it would have been a huge boost for them as it is now. They find themselves kind of locked into this basement battle with Ross County. But what's, what, what's more worrying from a Dundee perspective is I think that, <clears throat> Last night, for the, you know, now I mean, I, I have, um, you know, it might, might be that folks at Dens don't think so, but I mean, by and large, we've tried to be as positive as we could be uh, on the podcast um, 
about the side, and, I, and I've, I've gone on record saying that I think there's a team in there trying to get out, and they've got a strike force by the looks of it, like Cummings and Griffiths. Um, and on the bench, you've got Sheridan, who struggled to get on last night when he lost his hairband. Um, you know, oh. you, you, you know you've got Charlie Adam in there. Can I take, missed that one. I missed that one. Is that right? Come on, I saw him and missed his, his, his hairband went askew, so he had to get a, oh, had to, had to wait, had to hold up for 30 seconds to get a replacement, you know. Um, so, you know, and now I'm saying to myself, well, actually, what w- what is going on here? You know, I mean, w- when are they actually going to start scoring goals on a regular basis? You know, am I thinking of, when I talk about Lee Griffiths, am I kidding myself on here? Is my judgment being clouded? Am I thinking of the player that he was actually three years ago or, or so? Cummings, um, are they getting enough from Cummings? You know, is McGowan still able to operate at that level, an intense level in, in the midfield? You know, um, Charlie uh, Adam has all the qualities in the world. We know that Charlie doesn't have to be particularly quick, but he does need players around about him who can accept a pass and see an angle to run into where he can play the ball into and all the rest of it. Uh, McGee, it, it's a hard shift for him moving in the middle. I know that he's made that transition, um, and at the back they, they were just you know they, they were taken taken apart last night. Uh, McMullen went off. He wasn't happy about that, you know. Um, We'll so, come to that you know, later. All, yeah, I, I mean, all round last night w- w- was a dire, dire performance. And James McPake, uh, you know, at the end of the, the, the match himself, admitted it wasn't acceptable. And, and he must have been um, scunnered because it did look as though they were perhaps, you know, g- getting, uh, you know, have, having put a couple of decent results together. It kind of did look as though they might have, um, you know, they might have just uh, turned the corner. But patently after that, um, you know, it's clear that they haven't. I mean, to have gone to Tynecastle and drawn one-one, yeah, irrespective of the, you know the, the what the stats show in terms of possession, all the rest of it, that was a really good result. You know, um, and you might have been entitled to think coming off the back of that, um, and coming off the back of uh, it was the one against Aberdeen. So they've told the court here. I mean, you know, you're beating two of the top clubs in Scotland, and then at home. You got horsed, absolutely leathered from Ross County. Now, you know, as I say, I'm throwing that in there. Ross County looked as though there was a side trying to emerge there. And and yes, these things happen in football and all the rest of it. But in the situation Dundee are in, they really need needed to build on the very positive previous couple of results. And and you kinda can't help but sense they'd actually thrown all that away. All that good work just tossed tossed overboard. I mean, let's cut to the chase, Sean, and don't worry, I'll, I'll not be letting Jim off the hook on this one either. But, you know, D- Dundee fans, a notoriously hard crowd. Well, I was going to say a notoriously hard crowd to please. I don't think that's right, actually. But they, yeah. they, they don't hold back. They don't hold back when they uh, when when they turn, if you see what I mean. That's certainly that. It's a, it's a bit of an infamous walk, isn't it, for a manager up, up that touchline, you know, up past the main stand. I'm just, I'm, you know... I'm going by and our our colleague George Cran's piece, you know, saying that there were there were fans singing, you're singing, you're chanting, whatever you want to call, sacked in the morning. Now, how does a manager come back for that? Well, it's happened before, but um, I mean, you're you, in this. I, I mean, I said there that Dundee fans have, have put up with a lot, and to be fair, they have. But that from sitting in the press box in that main stand on, on numerous occasions as you have yourself Eric and Jim, Jim you'll be familiar with it as well there, there is certainly a section of supporting them in the main stand in particular that can be they get very very vociferous if things aren't going right and they think the manager's to blame they're right behind the dugout and they're not shy uh, in expressing it um, so after a result like last night it doesn't shock me 
that that was that was the response because I've seen I've seen similar before um, with with previous managers uh, also. Um, the thing for 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 James McPate that he's he's dealing with at the moment for me is the fact that last night he came out and said, you know, this is this is the lowest point if you like, and 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 his time in charge of the club. How many of them have there been? Oh, I would. Uh, you, know, Do you know what I mean? It wouldn't be a pretty piece to put together, but be, there's there's a few, isn't it? Would, there? it a few. Yeah, it, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a kind piece to put together, but it's it's there are a few options certainly because you you think about some of the houndings that they've had. There there have been quite a few to choose from. Um, I mean, certainly the, the the most notable ones for for Dundee fans will be the the Derby defeats to, to United, uh, where they've shipped six a couple of times. Um, and it's just it, it, there's a there's a there's a horrible familiarity to to James McPake fronting up after a game because again we, we've said this before it's something that he doesn't shy away from him and that's to his credit but that there comes a point where it's like well how many more times does does that have to happen? It's um, a bit like Solskjaer, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, uh, there, there there are similarities. I mean, again, it, it's just it's it's a it's a rotten result. There's absolutely no getting away from that. Um, losing five nil at home to the team at the bottom of the league is, is it's not acceptable for fans. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about St Johnston a couple of weeks ago losing three nil at home at Livingston, and, and thinking that's unacceptable. Um, but five to the team at the bottom of the league, Livingston are, are, are down there. To be fair, but five is it's, it's not good enough. It really isn't. And we have been positive. Um, about Dundee this season, we've talked about the quality that they've got in that in that squad. But I mean, I mean, the other side of of being positive and talking a team up is that when they're not when they're not meeting the potential that that we've sort of flagged, then pressure comes on, and that's inevitable. Um, and that that's certainly the case at the moment because on on that evidence last night, that's that's terrible. That really, really is. There's no way to hide it, and that. How do how do you sort it? That is the question now, or can it be sorted? <laughs> is actually a question yeah, that could yeah. be asked now. Yeah, well, Jim, I mean, we know well, we we know that Dundee give time to their managers, don't they? You know, and we, we probably also know that there's a lot of other clubs we could think of in the Scottish Premiership that would sack James McPake today, wouldn't they? Um, that's fair, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think um, they, they I'm not have, saying I mean, it's fair to sack him. I'm saying no, that's a no, fair no, comment. Yes, I mean, there's plenty that would, that plenty would do it. No, they have. I mean, I, we have said. I mean, I've said repeatedly on here that you know Tim Keyes has been um, a fair steward at Dens. He has because I think he's the money man. John John Elms runs it for him, but Keyes is the money man. Do you think? He, do you think he's? he's do you think? It's, sorry, Jim. And do you think? I know. Well, do you think he's the decision maker as well? Do you think? Do you think it's a a case of he he passes down to John Elms? Come on. What's happening here? This needs to be. There needs to be a change. Well, I, or do you, I, I, do I don't know the is the answer, Eric. But I mean, my guess is no. My guess is is that ju- you just purely as, down to yeah, ju- just as you know, looking at the other side of the street, just as as, as Mark Ogren in the states in the states trusts Tony uh, uh, Tony Asgar um, as his kind of director of football. Um, I think so too. Tim Keyes, you know, leaves everything day to day running and big decisions like that. I'm sure, that obviously, they'll be run past Keyes as the owner and the, and the money man. But I think, by and large, he trusts the judgment. Um, so, you know, uh, the, the, the Dundee have 
been pretty loyal to to managers previously. I mean, as a rule, they, 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 you know they, they've given them a fair bit of time, um, and this is where you get into the territory of no one wants to see a manager sacked. I mean, my kind of you know look, looking last night at some of the fans' websites, some of the Dundee fans, the more intelligent ones, you know, um, not 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 the dafties who kind of scream from the rooftops, guys that are, are big Dundee fans that you know that have intelligent discussion and all the rest. That there's a sense of of, of just genuine despair. A, what do we do? Because there's no one else. If, if Keys was leaving the club, not suggesting he was, but if he was leaving the club, who would come in? Because Dundee have been through two administrations. Who would come in? Um, there's no one identifiable if he was ever thinking of going. Um, uh, who, who do you go for at this stage in the season? Or do you continue to back your man in the respect that, yes, he's a young manager. We knew that when we gave him the job and these things happen. It'll be up and down and up and down. We see something in him which we... Um, in which we believe that we think he can turn things round. Um, against that, uh, you know, it all depends on the relationship that John Nelms and his manager have got. You know, the, you know, obviously they, they kind of see something in each other. The, the, the more important of the two, bluntly, is Nelms because he's the man that runs things day to day. He will, he's the man that'll take the big decisions uh, in, jun- in conjunction with Keys. Um, so, you know, if this was any other club, you'd think to yourself that's a result. In, in, in that position, which is very, very hard to survive. Um, I'm not that sure that it it will necessarily be a result that would see James McPake off the premises. That, that, I agree. That, that, I would that, agree with yeah, you. That, yeah. that, that, that depends on the view of fans and all the rest of it, and also the view of John Nelson, because, I mean, I mean let, let, let's take, you know, we're not here to knock people down. We're here to try and be as positive as possible. When there's negatives, you've got to address them, but there are positives as well. And the positive is that there's still a point ahead of Ross County. They're only a point. They're only three points, one win uh, behind mm-hmm. St. Johnson. They're yeah, only yeah. four adrift of, of, of Livingston. What you ask yourself, I think, and I think it's fair to do this, is you look at the side that Dundee have assembled and you say, do they have, uh, you know, is my guesstimate that they have the players that those other three clubs have just mentioned have? Um, do they look as do those other clubs look as though they are now actually making progress? And are we making progress now? It looked as though Dundee were making progress with a good draw at Hearts, uh, a good win against Aberdeen, and you know they've thrown all that overboard. Had they won last night, if they'd scraped a win last night, it would have been a terrific result because it would have moved them up. They'd have gone level. Um, with St Johnston, uh, that have been looking down at Ross County. Then we what? Uh, um, well, it would have been seven point gap, wouldn't it? Because Ross County went in last night on, I think, just three points. You know, so it, that that would have been a massive win for them last night. But it wasn't a win, and that that that's football. I mean, football is a game in in playing terms, in management terms, in ownership terms. It's a game which is decided on fine margins. There's nothing fine about the margin last night, you know. But um, but on fine margins in terms of points, in terms of kind of trying to. Just negotiate your way around things. Do I have the players that can change things for me and all the rest of it? Now, you know, I've, I've said long and weary, we've all tried to be positive about this. You know, looking at Dundee, I thought they had. Now now I am questioning my own judgment. Now I'm looking at that squad and thinking, do they? Do they have Do they have the pace? Do they have the, you know, they have the agility? Do they get the athleticism? Have they got the skill? You know, have they, have they got all of the things that I thought they had? Do they have the goals in them? So I think all of these things you're now having to question. You're trying to be. Oh, they're all they're possible, all legitimate but, questions, Jim. As yeah. as is as is, are they being coached well enough? That's a legitimate question as well, isn't it? And that's that is that. I mean, ultimately, Eric, that that I think is the key question because uh, by by any other by any other kind of use of the descriptive term, a coach is simply a teacher. You know, so he has a game plan. He's a game plan from game to game. He has a general philosophy about his team, how he wants to play. 
And what you must do is you must identify players and then play them and coach them so that they fit into that game plan, philosophy, or whatever. And he's got to be smart enough and clever enough to change things as it goes, as, as things happen in games and the dynamic of a game, to see things, things that are not working, things that are working, you know, put the boot on the neck of the opponents when things are working by stepping up the pressure um, and changing things when they're not working. Um, now, that, that is the key question. Are Dundee getting an offer to James McPeak as a coach? Are the players responding to him as a coach? Um, are the players up to responding to him? He's maybe telling them what to do and they're, and they're not up to it. You know, that, that, but, but ultimately, the problem is the manager always carries the can. It's always easier to get rid of a manager than it is to get rid of, you know, five, six, seven players. I mean, I saw guys last night saying um, he went up with, you know, a team, he's, he's maybe been too loyal to players, that, you know, they're a championship side and uh, they went up and, you know, there, there are too many players that are not good enough for this level and all the rest of it. Um, that, that's, you know, that, that, that's always a debatable thing. I mean, Dundee United, uh, uh, you know, went up with, with a side that were were a, a championship side. Hearts went up with a championship side. I know they've added to it, but I mean, you know, they're sitting there, um, third top of the league at the moment. So ultimately, at the end of the day, the simple fact is this, and it's always this, the league table never lies. You know, um, you'll get, every team will get the occasional horsing. Happens to the best. Happens to the best in the world. Um, but you, you, you can only look at the evidence. And in football, the evidence is games played against games won, drawn and lost, goals scored and conceded. And in every metric, Dundee are doing badly. Played 11 one one, drawn four, lost six, scored four, conceded twenty-three. Um those are those are horror statistics for a club that, you know, as a Dundonian and of a certain vintage, a club that I think should be aiming to do more than survive. Now I know that, you know, James and, and probably others at Dens think survival's all it's about. I'd like to think it was a, there was a bit more ambition than that, but but fair enough, if it's only about survival, that's that's fair enough because you want to be in the top league. But at the moment, the results, and that one in particular last night, are not nearly good enough. Um, so, you know, the question is, is he coaching the players and they're simply incapable of taking on board his message or is he, is he not coaching them as well as they might be coached? Uh, and, and the only answer to that will be in the next few games, whether they pick up and turn it round or whether they continue in this vein of form. If they continue in this vein of form, unless, of course, John Nelms does confound you and I and makes makes a decision, you know, to, to get rid of his manager. Uh, but if they continue in this vein of form, then that vein of form would suggest that they're heading into and staying in a basement battle with relegation a distinct possibility. And then uh, it's up to the powers that be to decide whether that's acceptable to them. Well, Sean, I mean, when you, you drill down in the detail of it and... I think, well, I, I guess I'm, I'm not going to ask you the same question as Jim because I, I think you'd probably give a, a, a similar answer that I think we all expect James McPeak to, to still be in the job and to carry on for a bit longer. You, you agree? Yeah. Just go, just going on precedent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we, we don't know. We, we can't see in the in the training ground and all the rest of it. So, you know, Jim makes the legitimate points there as well. You know, is it the players that are letting James McPeak down? Is it, the, is it James McPeak? you know not getting things right on the training ground again you'll you you'll probably hear both sides won't you you'll probably hear both sides but he does have a situation to sort out and there, there are some glaring glaring issues and i think right at the top of them now will be uh how, do, how does he bring paul mcmullen back now I, I think you know you can be you know if you look at this dispassionately and, and coldly you can think oh 
why why wouldn't he substitute a guy in the first half and and take him off if he sees you know a real sort of area of weakness in his team that Ross County are exploiting? You could say you could you could make the case he should have done it earlier. You know if because I think there were a few goals in by the time he by the time he made, he, he he took Paul McMullen off. But there's always the but, and it's the human side of it, isn't it? It's the footballer side of it, and it's the embarrassment side of it, isn't it? And you know, it's just we know from experience that it will be a hard job getting Paul McMullen back on side, won't it? Well, it, it's it, it, what it what it say. It, you're right about the embarrassment factor uh, because I think if you if you're if you're hauled off, well, it wasn't long before half time, was it? It was sort of thirty seven minutes or something. Yeah, like that. something like that. So. I mean, I, even half times, yeah, it's okay. I would think, and yeah. the and the players and the players' head, he's not think he's not thanking his manager for for doing that so close to half time, because it makes it very very public. Now his reaction to it hasn't been great, quite clearly. McMullen's so you're think, talking about, yes, yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't, I don't think that helps the situation. It, it inflames it. Um, the fans have obviously reacted to it as well, which is maybe maybe puffed the player up a little bit. <laughs> Thought I'm going to give it a little bit here, um, but all in all, it's it's it, it's a pretty undignified sort of situation. Um, now, how do you, you're right. The question is how do you how do you recover to it? And I think how do you recover from it? And I think that a lot of it will come down to where the player is mentally. After the fact, so the, the big flash of emotion has happened. He's, he's felt how he's felt. He's reacted. He's, he's pulled himself together. He, he sat down and he, and, he, and he stuck it out. So the conversation that, that happens today, or, or perhaps last night, or maybe the one today that followed the one last night, will will decide what happens. And and it's really about what sort of mental state the players in and, and how the manager reacts to it. Again, that's a test of management as well. How do how do you deal with a player who's who's who feels slighted? publicly uh, by a management decision now it's the, the manager could sit down and say well look it's not personal it's nothing to do with with you i just think this was happening in the game and i think it was giving us problems and i thought i, th- I saw a way to solve it and you were the one sacrificed and that's it so how does the player accept that does he accept it even maybe he doesn't feel he deserved to come off you know what I mean? So there's there's a hell of a lot of variables, but the, what what under underpins the whole thing is that it's a real mess <laughs> of a situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, John, it's, you, it's all very reasonable stuff. Yeah, I mean, and when you speak like that, <laughs> it does it, like I say, and there's the, you know, it's perfectly legitimate to, to substitute. I mean, what was the... You know, occasionally, who was the manager that substituted a goalie in the game? You know, I'm not, and I'm not talking about for uh, penalty kicks. You know, but you're thinking, well, why not? If the goalie's performing badly, you know, take him off. But you know, there's, there's yeah. certain, there's certain little said, conventions, yeah. isn't there? The unwritten <laughs> rules, it. if you see what I mean. That, like you say, you wait to half time. But, but why would you wait to half time? You know, <laughs> yeah, you can well, only that's, have, that's you can equally only have, valid. Yeah. Uh, you can only have one manager, Sean. That's the problem, isn't it? I mean, you know, and, and the manager has to, to, to live or die by his decisions. I mean, you know, you, you you would want a player that was raging at getting taken off. I would always want a player that was raging at getting. I mean, you know, listen, we've all played five sides, amateur juvenile football. Um, you, you know, football is made of a microcosm of, of characters and mentalities. Some some players kind of saunter through a game, not much puts them up and down. Some are highly strong. Somewhere or somewhere in between, but very, very few players don't like not being 
A, chosen, or B, substitute. Um, and and McMullen's quite See, a that's, that's, that's the opposite. Of, that's the opposite of me, Jim, because <laughs> sometimes playing fives, I've, I've wished somebody would take me off. <laughs> I must admit, I, I used to kind of rage as a, as a player when people expected me to pass, Sean, you know. I, I, <laughs> I, I hated that. You know, I just enjoyed beating me. Um, no, but I mean, that, 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 that's, that, that's the mentality. You would expect McMullen to be. And, and look, football's up and down. Football blows up and it blows down again as quickly. And it's, you know, it's, it's kind of, I always say this, it's like you, me, and my mates getting paid to do what we love to do. Now, it's not, it's, it's, that, that's an oversimplification because there are lots of things going on in the game. Guys have mortgages, they've got families, they've got people that are not well, issues coming short near the end of their contract it's not it's not always the nirvana that we you know that we like to paint it um not just me and us i mean the general public um so football's full of kind of ups and downs and all the rest of it and nowhere nowhere more so than in the 90 or the 95 minutes that a game lasts and you know and james mcpake tough decision to make last night and people will question why do you take off a forward and maybe put on a midfield or why do you take off a midfield and do this or the next um uh, th- these are the questions i suppose that you know managers have to answer they get fed up answering them we know that because they know in their own minds what they want to do but it's how they deal with it you're right the psychology of football is an intriguing one uh, and the psychology of management is a particularly acute one. That's why I'm a big fan of sports psychology, um, knowing how to deal with the various temperaments and characters that that you have. And the problem is one decision, you know, taken in, in the heat of battle and heat of the moment, because you know, I mean, it's kind of like the great Mike Tyson um, quote where he says, you know. Every boxer has a plan, you know, until they get punched in the face. Uh, and, and football's a bit like that, you know. I'm sure James went in last night. Oh, he's, as, as, he's as, taking a punch in the face last night. Yeah, yeah well, absolutely. You know, uh, uh, he's going to be a plan. Martin Mackay's going to be a plan. Mackay's plans work better. Um, and and, and things, go, things go up in the air. I mean, I'm pretty sure that last night he had no intention of substituting Paul McMullen until he started to watch the team disintegrate. I think there were three down at the time um, and thought, whoa, we've got to do something here. Uh, and it's, it's not necessarily a calm, reflective decision that a manager in any situation takes because you're in the heat of battle things are happening things are flying you know you've got to be i mean it's already well kind of thinking you're some kind of genghis khan type figure aloof from the battle you know stand there on high watching it all unfolding below you it's not the case managers have got a very very tough gig for that 90 minutes because everyone in the stands uh, is an expert they're all telling them what to do i think they know better what to do um but it's now how he repairs it and it might well be that there is no damage. He sits down to get into training today, a loosening off session or whatever. They chew the fat a wee bit, boom, and we go again, as they say in football, and it's all forgotten about. The, the other thing, of course, is for McMullen to redouble his efforts and show his manager, you were wrong to take me off and I'll prove it on Saturday. Yeah, no, listen, I agree. I agree with both you. Yeah, I think they, from the, one of the first points you made, I think the onus is 100% on, on Paul McMullen in this one. You know, I think it's a, it's a legitimate thing for a manager to do, particularly when the team's getting a real chasing like Dundee were getting and he's got to change something up. And I think, yeah, I think the foot, I think it's, you know, he has to, he just has to swallow it. And, you know, if, if he's going to, there's no suggestion that he will chuck the toys out the pram afterwards. I'm sure he won't. So I think, I think he has to be the one that's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it hurt me, but I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll either show you or I'll, you know, or it's fine. You know, I see it for what it is and, and we move on because it's no time for a, it's no time for individual causes. Let's put it that way. Eric, you know, I think the thing, the key thing is this, and, you know, having kind of, you know, now writing a column, 
for you guys and kind of local press, although I, I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure what the difference is actually more in the modern media digital world between local and national. I think it's actually well, well Aye, overblown. But, everything, yeah. yeah, it's, I mean, you know, you can read the, you, you read the Dundee Cure in Australia these days as easily as see the BBC, but having worked for both the Beeb, uh, you know, and, and DCs, I mean, Quite often at the BBC, although you never ever enjoy, always based in Dundee, I had a very wide rematch, covered games in Inverness, Edinburgh, Aberdeen, all, all over the shop. And you never ever want to see any manager anywhere losing their job. But it's 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 a bit less damaging when you see someone losing their job up in Dingwall or Inverness or, 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 or Edinburgh than, than right on your doorstep. And I think people sometimes forget this in journalism, particularly in local journalism. You don't want to see anyone suffering, players losing jobs or managers losing jobs, because it takes a long time to build relationships with people. And you never know what it's going to be like to build a relationship with somebody new that might come in. So, you know, when when you discuss these things, you're discussing what fans are discussing the stands and the pubs and all the rest of it, but you're trying to take the kind of heat out of it you want. You're trying to kind of look objectively. No one wants to see James or anybody else in the game under pressure or losing their jobs. You hope for the best for them. You want them to do the best. But there are legitimate discussions to be yeah, had. Yeah, you can't duck. You can't you, duck the You can't kind of duck it. There are legitimate discussions to be had on a whole combination of things that, that, that we've just talked about there. And the last one before we move on, Sean, the, the last one is the what appears to be, I mean, they've got the numbers, but what appears to be a, a gaping Sean Byrne-sized hole. And it's kind of ironic, given the fact that, you know, last season he was probably underused for a, for a fair chunk. And then and then he came back in at the crucial stage of the season and was a big part of Dundee getting up through the playoffs. Um, they don't have a like-for-like like replacement, which, is, again, is a wee bit ironic given all the numbers that they've got. And if possibly the like-for-like like replacement, he's younger and he's inexperienced, is up at uh, Cove Rangers, Finlay Robertson, because the rest are square pegs in, in round holes, aren't they? They're, you know, they're, you've got your McGee's and your Andersons are all about... You know, that their legs, they're up and down, box to box, all energy. Um, John Burns' brains and positional sense and, you know, picking the right pass, short or long. Charlie Adam and Paul McGowan, talented as they are, they don't, that's not their thing either. Oh, Charlie, potentially, but, you know, it's it's he's never been a defensive holding midfielder. No, they, so. they, they, they want the freedom that correct, Sean Burns gives them. So, so there's a bit of an issue there with Sean being out nine to 12 weeks do you are you on the phone are you I don't know if they do have a recall I presume they do are you are you getting Finlay Robertson back down the road I haven't seen enough of him to know and I, and I really mean that I, you know I could I could sit here and waffle on about well this and that but no there's no point in doing that I genuinely don't know because we haven't seen enough of him and that surprised me because well he was he was he the f- next best thing wasn't exactly he? exactly when he when he first sort of emerged uh, uh, he was he was yeah god he was talked up a lot you know, and he did. He did look quite impressive when I first saw him. Um, for somebody so young, a player so young in that area of the field in particular, he was about sixteen, where, seventeen, wasn't he? When he yeah, he was. He was super, super young, but he he looked so composed to me. Um, uh, and he, he looked like he knew exactly what he was doing. He was never harried or, or under pressure or anything. But it 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 certainly it hasn't progressed in the same way. Um, apparently. Uh, because he hasn't had the same game time, um, and obviously now he's been put out on loan, and, and he's still a very very young player. So let's not let's not uh, be silly about it. Um, but I would I would imagine James McPake having talked him up so much initially will know where he's at in his development, um, and perhaps he doesn't he doesn't think that that uh, Finn's quite ready for for 
maybe not just Premiership football, oh, but perhaps Premiership football yeah. in this situation, yeah. Yeah, the, which yeah. is a completely different thing because they're, they're, they're now, there is a lot of pressure on at Dundee. Oh, uh, there was anyway, but off the back of that, it would almost last be unfair night, to bring it back into be, this. Yeah, it? there's definitely an argument for that. Um, because after last night and, and, and the reaction to it, uh, the, the, the pressure is going to be huge now. Um, so that, uh, perhaps it's kind not to bring him back at this stage. But it is, uh, it is, Jim, it is a positional issue, isn't it? There's no doubt about it. There's yeah, no getting well, away from it. Because <coughs> it's, a, it's a huge, it's probably the most, in modern football, I think you can make a case for saying it's the most important position in the in the pitch. I know, I know, I know. Central midfielders used to do a bit of everything, but that's the way the game's developed, and it is a huge, huge role in in any in any team, isn't it? The, the link between defence and and attack, you know, or, or defence and your attacking midfielders and just mopping up and all the rest of it. It's, it's a and it's a, a very underrated art, I would say, as well. The defensive midfielder, the CDM, as the kids call it. Eh? Yeah, no, I mean, I think the issue is this for Dundee, for any other club in that similar situation, unless you've got someone else on the books, or in the case of, you know, a Finlay Robertson, someone who's on the books, but out on loan, who you think might be able to come in, but he's not that type of player, um, what do you do? You need someone else to... Um, you know, stand up to to what's required and fill into the best of their abilities. Either that, or you 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 know you, you alter your your tactical approach in a way that, that requires less from that kind of position. Um, the problem is. I think it's all. It's one thing to do that when the club's going well, when the club's flying high and you're in the top six or something like that. But when the club is at a low ebb, um, you come off a couple of very decent results, and but you've you've gone back, you know, to to kind of square one with a real thumping. Um, who fancies stepping into that role um, and performing when it is not their given given role and given task? You know, I mean, you know, I mean, it, it's it's a long time I think since we were able to talk about football. You know, in terms of just oh, just give me a jersey, I'll play anywhere. I mean, you know, most roles are position specific now. There are there are not many players that are worth their weight in gold. Those who can play in two or three positions competently. Um, and that link between back to front, you know, or or kind of, or if you want, between back and middle to front, you know, is a really, really crucial one. Um, and I, I don't see anyone emerging as an out and out candidate to do it. Yeah, no, agreed. Well, listen, it's a, we say it every week. It's another, it's an enormous, enormous game for for Dundee. I think in this instance, it's good that it's a, it's a, a three game week for them, and they're they're at St Martin and. It's listen. I I I wouldn't rule out them bouncing back. I do get the feeling it's going to be a very up, very up and down season for Dundee. And I think we're going to be, you know, we're going to be changing our minds on them a, a bit. And I, th- I think, yeah, I think we this. It could be the partner of the season, Sean. It could be the partner of the season. But anyway, we'll move on to United, and it is still a bit of a love in for them just now because I think that's a good point for them at Livingston. I know they were playing against ten men, but it can that can be a bit. The advantage of that can be exaggerated, particularly when you're playing a team like like Livingston that are, you know, they're all about the sort of their defensive and midfield, the solidity of that setup. So I don't imagine it got much easier for United after after they got the numerical advantage. Horrible night on a on a on the plastic pitch against a team that was, you know, which is showing a bit of form. That's okay, isn't it? It's okay. Keeps seven unbeaten in the league. I think it just keeps the whole keeps the pot boiling nicely for United, doesn't it? 
No, no, no problem with that at all. I think you take that point uh, for sure, and, and particularly we, I mentioned Livingston earlier, um, in two contexts. One of them giving St Johnson a hounding, which they did, uh, and the other one slightly earlier in the season where it looked like they might struggle a little bit. But um, they're three unbeaten now, two good wins, and 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 then a draw, obviously with United last night, who've been going really well. In fact. So well, if you if if you look at the form guide in the Premiership over the last and they're a six, streaky team, Livingston, aren't they? Last season they had they that unbelievable run of evidence. So yeah, I thought that was a really hard game for United last night. It was, uh, and United even off the back of last night, as I'm saying, if you look at the the form guide in the in the Premiership over the last six games, United have got 14 points and they're right up the top. So uh, they're, they're no problem there whatsoever. Uh, if I were a United fan, I'd be happy enough with it. Um, and yeah, you're right, seven unbeaten. Again, not to be sniffed at, if you look at how tight the sort of league table is, um, if you want, it, it has been pretty tight all the way up and down up to nine. You would expect that because it's still early in the season. We're only a quarter of the way through. But um tend to think now from sort of, from you could argue there's maybe three groups at the bottom, like a group of three or four at the bottom, maybe. But mostly from from if you look if you go from tenth to fifth, there's only five points in it. So there's a wee group at the top maybe starting to break away, and that would I would include United in that because they're now six points ahead of Hibs, um, and fourth. So and only three points off the top. So the, I mean you could say there's now a top four group: the Rangers, Celtic, Hearts, and United. So for United to be in there at this stage of the season, having gone through a round of fixtures, I think that's incredibly impressive, um, and. United have impressed me an awful lot, and so we're back to the loving that you talked about <laughs> earlier. Because they, I, th- I think I think United have been, uh, I mean, not just in, in our patch, and obviously that's what we're interested in because it's our bread and butter. But in terms of the league in general, I mean, United are 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 a real sort of highlight of the season so far. I think I think they've oh, been they've magnificent. Been, I think, yeah, they've been the story. I think even above Hearts probably because I think. Because of the, yeah, because there was such a big question mark over, and it was such a different appointment. The Tam Courts one, we're not going back over that. Yeah, I think I think everybody expected Hearts to come back up and be certainly top six potentially where they are. We didn't expect them to be unbeaten right enough, but nobody expected United to be right back up up there with them. Not even their own fans. Oh no, no, I'd, I'd agree with that a hundred percent. And I think the, the the nature of the Courts appointment plays into that an awful lot actually um, and I think when we were talking about it, if you go right back to when it looked like he was going to be the man and then in the aftermath of him being appointed and there were questions about his experience and all that, I think one of one of the things that, 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 that the points that I raised at the time that I thought was great about it was the fact that it was completely sort of out of the box and while there were sort of valid questions that you could ask I, I I was hopeful that that it would turn out that this would be a shrewd appointment because I I I, I just I love to see mold breaking being successful and there's been attempts to do that before uh, in the Premiership I think the most notable example was probably Hearts with, with, with Ian Cathro um, but obviously that that, that was hopeless. <laughs> so, uh, there's no point dressing it up. It was, it was rubbish. It was an absolute failure. It was, but listen, he's li- listen. There's no need. There's no need to feel. There's no need to feel too sorry for Cathro. He's landed on his feet. He's landed on his feet. 
He's in a great job at Spurs at the moment, yeah, so uh, yeah. no problems there. But it, it wasn't good at Hearts. It really wasn't. Um, whereas, and I think part of the maybe part of the problem that, that Ian Castle had at Hearts was was he never he never had that sort of moment, if you like, where experienced players or big players in that squad could completely commit themselves to what he was doing. Aye, they beat Rangers well, didn't they? But they then, did, but it, that was a toll. It was a flash in the pan because there was never anything sustained at all. And I, th- I think United are at a point now where they've had enough of those positives that have come back to back in quick succession. Uh, that oh, those yeah. those players the through the experience yeah. ones setting the tone. That I think those players have bought into him now. So I don't I don't think he's in the danger that that Cathro was of. of turning into a figure of, of ridicule because that's what happened to Ian Cathro ultimately. It, it just reminded me, I used to, you know... <laughs> Mary, lo- lo- Cathro had nothing to do with this. Lo- lo- long before, him up it's, a, it's a parallel. I think <laughs> it's, a, it's a, a parallel that can be made. Long before Ian rose to those dizzy heights when he was just kind of youth coaching and trying to break in another race, I used to have a cut because I always liked to do a Dundee, Dundee boy a favour, you know, and the BBC knew nothing about him and I would do it. I don't, apparently. To, you know, <laughs> I would do it <laughs> years ago and, you know, try and get them on the website and the rest of it. Uh, and one day I was sitting with him and I thought, uh, and he was trying to explain some philosophy to me uh, over a coffee and I thought, you know, it was easier as a law student understanding the laws of consanguinity and wills trust and executives and some of this stuff. I could have, I think the big difference between Ian, I, I, I suspect he's actually a, a great coach, but Tam uh, Courts is, is a fine coach, that's become obvious, but he's also a good communicator. He's articulate. He's intelligent. He's, I'm not saying that Catherine wasn't. Catherine was a highly intelligent guy. Um, just wrong, wrong man, the wrong movie at the wrong time. Tam Courts, I think, uh, is a beneficiary of the whole the whole shooting match at Tannadice. Everything's been in place. The statistical element of it, the psychological element of it, the player identification element of it. I mean, United, I think, are really unusual in the respect that I think <clears throat> you've almost got um, you've almost got a form of socialism going on at Tannadice. <laughs> unusual for an American. No, you've got a collectivist, a real collectivist collectivist approach to the game. I think everyone, you know, you've, you've got a kind of a management structure, I think, which um, appears to be very, very inclusive, you know, the, the, you know, um, from the top down, from Tony Asgard to... Oh, I think, to Andy, I think Andy Gold is as powerful uh, Andy as is any, well, yeah. any of his peers in, in Scotland, isn't mm-hmm. he? And, and I know that, I mean, listen, I have conversations with people, you know, older people, older scouts in the game and all the rest of it, and they don't like it, you know, the, the moaning that boy Goldie, he's only a young guy and all the rest, the game moves on. You know, it's like, yeah, well, I mean, there's, a, there's, there's an age difference between, between us three, you know, but I cannot stand this kind of rooted in the, you know, rooted in the past that was better in my day kind of mentality. Um, I mean, the game moves on, the game has to embrace modernity, it has to embrace new ways of thinking. Sometimes, you know, the old ways are better, sometimes the new ways are better. Usually you find an accommodation somewhere in the middle, you mix, you match, you take something new and modern and you apply it to the game as was, you know, ultimately at the end of the day it's still about passing tackling, you know, and, and desire and all the rest of it, we know that, but you know the, the use of statistic, statistical analysis, while sometimes it can be a pain and sometimes ultimately, you know, you can cynically point and say, well, you know, what was the score uh, how many goals did you score, how many did you concede the use of statistical analysis where, you know, where play comes from, breaking down defensive patterns and, uh, and you know, how not to concede and and, and, you know, ultimately United, I think, are quite 
clearly proven that defence is the key. Um, despite the fact that people like me love an attacker and all the rest, they're proving that defence is the key. I think there's been a real kind of experimental element at Tardise, but it's rooted in all all of the best of modern modern ideas and, and modern concepts in football. I think you know the whole and, and everyone at Tardise has bought into that to embrace it. And at the moment, you really cannot complain. I mean, fa- fans were you know the fans always have the last say. Eighteen hundred of them travelled last night to Livingston. That tells you that they're behind the team, that they're backing the team and that they're buying in clearly to to the regime and, and, and what it's doing there. And, and why wouldn't you? Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, United have got... It's, an, it's always an intriguing one, United against Saints, isn't it, Sean? Because, I mean, I say intriguing, it was a it was a run of draws, wasn't it, uh, last season? And, the, and then uh, United broke that sort of that streak at the start of the season when Saints were it was between European games, wasn't it? Saints weren't good at all in that in that game. United deserved their win. I think one of oh, the Saints' poorer performances of the season, um, but it was an imp- it was a hugely significant win for United. I think it was just was it just after the Rangers win? So I think I think it backed that one up. So now we're back in the second quarter. I think it's a big. I mean, we just don't. Unfortunately, he's for. He's, Callum's just not getting. He's not getting the the stability that he he brought up before the the Hearts game in in defence. There's another two out injured, you know. So it's it's chopping and changing back there through through no fault of his own, and you know that that's having a bit of an impact. But and there, there is a but, and I thought Saints were very very good the first half against Hearts. It was. They were laying traps. It was I, I saw them play. It was like they played against that way against Aberdeen and Hibs last season. When you, you generally you're thinking they, these these guys don't know how to to get out here. It was, you know, it was a it was a, you talk about tactics. It was another tactical victory for Callum in that first half against against Robbie Nielsen. It dropped off significantly in the second half purely as much as anything to do with the fact that I think I don't know what you guys think. I I think Hearts are. Not far and away, but I think Hearts are the third best team in the league. I was impressed with them second half. They were physically very strong, and you know, in, in, in heavy condition, they are a good side. So it was it was a very intriguing game. I really I really enjoyed the game. Actually, I won one. We'll see. I know. Okay, but we're not going to the refereeing decisions again. I'm getting bored with them. We're not going to that again because we're we're moving on forward. But the, you wouldn't. It wouldn't shock you if Saints went went and uh, got a win at Tannerice, would it, Sean, or would it? I think it would actually. Oh, would it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, again, I, I, I'm. You're right about the first half uh, with St. Johnson. I, I think they were they were they started the game really really well. Um, got the goal they deserved. Could have had another couple maybe. Um, so up until about thirty seven, thirty eight minutes, I thought they were very very good. Now then you've got the the Hearts equaliser. And all right, we'll we'll leave that alone in terms of the refereeing decisions about it. But I think I think yeah, you don't have to. <laughs> well, all right then. I was, I was just looking right. at the clock, but no, jump in. All right, I won't then. <laughs> uh, no, I, I I think that the, the referee was hopeless um, all night. And actually, you could say for both teams, it was not he gave a throw. He gave a throw in for for Hearts when the ball it was a corner. It was a corner by about five yards. But you know, yeah, it was it was bizarre. But I mean, it's some of the bookings. I mean, Stevie May's booking. What? What was that? I mean, it, it, it wasn't it wasn't a book. It clearly, anyway. Look, pointless. There's no point going into all this. It's just nuts. And the guy Devlin, 
he says, continuing. Uh, how how many fouls did that guy have that he could have been booked for before he eventually gets booked for barging into Xander Clark when he's got the ball in his arms at the end? That was shocking. Absolutely shocking. <sighs> I get the big thing. Managers will always say, and it's one of these phrases, isn't it? Like top, top man. Big decisions, and it's just get the big. Everybody forgets all the other stuff if you get the big decisions right. Well, I think he got a lot wrong. He got, he got the huge, you know, there was two. Fo- I mean, the handball I couldn't see, but you could see it on the TV. But you know, the the tri- how can you not see a man being his standing leg getting brought down? Yeah, Ali Crawford had his foot hooked away from. Unbelievable! Yeah. But anyway. trying to get up. There so anyway, there, there's that. Uh, so in the aftermath of that, I, I it was all hearts. Um, 90% hearts in the aftermath of that. Now, I've got a slight criticism of Callum Davidson here, which is uh, it's maybe the first time. <laughs> so, I, now his, his hand has his hand must go. must go. Settle down. We're absolutely not. But, right. At halftime, his hand was forced, right? Two two injuries, so he's got to make two subs at halftime, and that's 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 painful, right? So that limits his options going forward. But the, the criticism that I would have is that the pattern of the game in that second half early on was consistent and it was obvious, and from about an hour up to when he did make a substitution, uh, which was Glenn Middleton, Middleton coming on yeah. in 81 minutes, it was one-way traffic, and what was happening was Chris Kane and Stevie May in particular, who who'd been working their balls off, quite frankly, in the first half pressing, and that was the the, the key to everything that was good that St Johnson did. They were just knackered, right, as the game went on, and Hearts with their back three were stretching the game across the width of the park to beat that first press, and then once Ali Crawford steps forward to join in the press. If John Souter steps into that space with the ball behind him, Saints have got three players on the wrong side of the ball and Hearts have got a one-man advantage on the right side of it, right? So as soon as Souter brings the ball forward, which happens a lot last night in the second half, somebody, anybody who steps off their man for St Johnston leaves a free man behind them and that opens the game up. And that was happening over and over and over again. And the substitution didn't come till 81 minutes. And my question is, why not? Because the, the, it was clear what the pattern of the game was, and it, and it wasn't going to change. Because they, they were knackered, so I just I just think for me, Callum Davidson was maybe a wee bit passive there when he could have been a little bit more aggressive and bringing Middleton on. Because when Middleton came on for the last ten minutes, that press didn't fully reignite, but it came back a little bit, and you could see the difference that he made in terms of his energy and his pace and putting Halkett under a bit of pressure on the ball again. And you could see St. Johnson starting to get up the park a little bit more again. So I, I think that substitution could have been made a bit earlier for me. So that would that would be my criticism. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, listen, mid, midfield legs. I, I can see. I can see your theory. The other, the, the opposite side of the coin though is he was, he switched. He's seen the way the game's going, and he switched tactics. And the pre, it's more a case of we're holding our shape. We're we're letting them come on to us type thing. It would it would have looked a bit daft right enough if Suter had. Pinged that thirty-five yard in the top corner, but it wasn't I think, far I think away. it was. A, it wasn't far away. It was. A, it was. It was definitely a switch. I don't. I don't think he can answer it himself when I do his presser later today. But I don't. I don't think he would have set out to have a ninety-minute pressing game against Hearts. I don't think he can do it. Well, definitely not. Don't do it. So I, th- I think it was a. It was a tactical. 
it was a tactical switch, but it was it was you're right, it was one way traffic. And I and when Middleton did come on, the last ten minutes was a more open game. You know, the Saints were starting to get a couple of chances I as well. Th- I think you've got to be very careful here because I mean Hearts, you know, uh, I mean Callum, you know, any manager that puts together two cup winning teams in one season, you know, um, he's a steady Eddie. We know that. But I mean, he's he, I've no fears for Saints whatsoever. They'll they'll they're on the verge of kind of you know coming good uh, coming good again, and, and I suspect going on to a very decent run. But Hearts are a very decent side. I mean, the the the, 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 the the stats position last night, I think, was quite alarming. It was seventy thirty to Hearts, wasn't it? And in terms of passes, I mean, um, you know, the the the, the stats I saw was four hundred seventy seven passes for Hearts to two hundred five for Saints, and an accuracy of eighty uh, percent against fifty two percent. So, I mean, th- 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 those are uh, those are pretty phenomenal statistics, and and tell the story of. Um, they miss boys. I would say what I would say, Jim. They miss boys, and I would say that yes, I, I know although, that. Although, although all the you're right about you can't argue with the possession stats not and the and the flow of the game, but as comfortable as you can look, they weren't. It wasn't like they were they were missing certain setters and the like in the big striker up front. Yeah, they, 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 they need effective. it. Well, they're, a, they're a different team. That's that's what they're missing him. basically. Right. If, if if they don't have boys, you're not nearly as worried as you yeah, would be. He's a serious he's a serious threat, no doubt about that. When they get as much of the ball, how do you see? How do you see Saturday's game going? United against you going? You going to be joining us, Jim? Yeah, I'll, I'll be there, um, Eric. I mean, I'm a fascinating one, I think, because um, you know, no, I mean, I, I'm you know, I like I like what's happened at Saints over a long, long period of time, even way before what Callum Davidson has done. Yeah, they're a good club. They're well organised. They play to strengths. Um, they identify players well. They identify managers well. You know, and it's been a long, long, good, consistent run. From Saints, but United really do seem to be um, on the right path uh, at the moment. I mean, eleven games in to the season, uh, to be sitting there, you know, where they are in, in, in well, fourth, but on goal difference, you know, joint uh, joint third, if you want, in terms of points. And what How do they approach it, Jim? Sorry, just just well, for, for Saints fans listening to this, because I would imagine you're looking at you were at Dundee United, Motherwell, and now this is a similar type game. You know, the three three teams basically all. I know that United have got off to the flyer, but three teams looking for this to occupy the same sort of territory in the Premiership. You know, not dissimilar. Um, how did so? Did United did did was it a chess game or did United come out looking to be the looking to be the home team, looking to to go on it to take the initiative? Yeah, because I, I thought this, yeah, I mean, I, I thought that, to be honest with you, Eric, I was having a, a, a Blair with Alan Burrows, who I've known for many years, the CEO, at half time at Motherwell, and I, I, I didn't actually think it was a great deal between the teams um, because Motherwell, I think, are a very good side as well. And um, that you know that that's I think that's the issue in the Scottish Premier League. It's great to see, it's great to see the top four. You know, and I don't think many of us expect Hearts and United to be sitting third and fourth or joint third. But there are teams around about there, a St Johnson, a Motherwell, uh, and all the rest of it, who, who can beat anyone else on their day. Livingston, you know, as we as we saw when when, when they beat St Johnson. You know, I mean, th- th- there are teams about be- between whom there are not much. But I think the key there's a couple of key things I think for the moment for the United. Um, I, th- I think Mulgrew has just been absolutely revelatory at the back. Yeah, yeah. Him and Edwards together as a central defensive pairing uh, are simply terrific. They attack the ball. They're cool. They're calm under pressure. They're both leaders. They um, they communicate brilliantly with each other. But also uh, McMahon uh, uh, in the left back position and Freeman uh, are both excellent carriers of the ball, deliverers they've, of the they've ball. They've got this players. defensive ability that Saints haven't had this season. Uh, yes, uh, they, they, yeah, that, that's right. And, and and those two, those two have kind of 
have been seamless. I mean, uh, Freeman, you know, Smith will have to work hard to get his place back there. I mean, but McMahon has, I mean, somebody actually said to me that we've kind of forgotten Jamie Robinson already. And I think there's some truth in that. He's just settled utterly seamlessly. Um, uh, suggesting at the column a few weeks back, they've all been good signings. Dylan Levitt, you saw the beautifully threaded pass last night that led to, uh, was in a, a, a Niskanen's Niskan goal, uh, ball across for the goal. Um, beautifully threaded, beautifully weighted and all the rest of it. And you've now got a midfield, I think, that has an energy and a tempo and a zip and a dig um, about it as well. You know, whether it's Fuchs with kind of the energy and, and the, top, the physical toughness he brings, Harks with that kind of, you know, that, that motion, that mobility that, that he's got. Um, Glass was in last night, of course, remains to be seen whether he's a um, beautiful player, but he, he took a, a really sore one last night. I thought it was a red card, actually. Paula. Peter Pollock was always a fine oh, player. He's, he's a People fine talking team. about Pollock as really some kind of old man. He's only, what is he, 31, 32, Peter? You know, I mean, he's got bags of bags of football left in him. Yeah, years of, you know, if he stays fit. And Niskanen looks a really good signing. Very, very quick. Knows what he wants to do. Good deliverer of the ball. And Nicky Clark, Nicky's not an out-and-out striker. I liked him at Dunfermline. He is an intelligent player. Leads the line well. Not an out-and-out goal scorer. Um... If United could land an out-and-out goal scorer, they, they would have done. Of course, uh, it might well be that they have landed one in big Max Bemo, who came on last night at a decent header. Um, but generally speaking, I think, um, you know, my expectation would be that United will go off um, at a tempo uh, in this one against Saints and, and try to kind of boss it very early on. So I think Saints uh, may well, unless they intend to do it, and it's not usually Saints style, um, may well be on the back foot early on and, and have to kind of work their way back uh, into the game. But it'll be a fascinating game. They're always, you know, they are tight between these two, and there is a great rivalry. Uh, should be a good crowd as well, I think, because United are only up and up. Saints, no worries for Saints whatsoever. Saints will, Saints will kind of uh, will come good very, very shortly. I thought, you know, um, if you're a United fan, you would hope it won't be on Saturday. No one would want to call. I think United are um, undoubtedly the form side at the moment, and my suspicion is they've got enough in them to win this one. Um, but I think it will be a, a be a terrific game to watch. I think, you know, two two good sides. Saints yet to find their feet. United are absolutely flying. So I think it'll be a great game to see. Well, it only was fitting that we, we finish it off, Sean, with with uh, a few words about Walter Smith. I know that you, you spoke to Morris Malpass and then we'll, we'll, we'll go to Jim who would, who can recall, you you know, the, the, the heyday of, of uh, United when Walter Smith was part of the, the fabric of the club. But first of all, speaking to Morris Malpass, what, what sort of... What were the, the the tales that you know that sort of stood out to you, and what what impression did you get from speaking to, to Morris? The the, the takeaway, the main takeaway, is just the absolute respect that 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 Morris has had and has for uh, Walter Smith um, for the impact that he, he had in his career, not just as a as a young player, but but also as a, a first team player, and and then moving into coaching and management as well. I mean. You, I think when uh, Morris was saying when he was a, a kid at United that, that Walter was was playing in the reserves, um, and he he, he was one the, he was the guy who would who would take the time with all of the kids um, to just to make sure they were all right and what have you, and that that continued into his assistant role. Um, he said he was he was he was the guy who'd put an arm around you after you'd uh, after you'd had a, <laughs> a bollocking from wee Jim, if you like, but you know also capable of dishing out a bollocking himself, or 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 indeed worse uh, if he got taken into the gym, which is what Morris said. If you, if you stepped out of line, he would take you into the gym and batter you. Those were the words <laughs> that Morris used, uh, and I think others have expressed similar sentiments. But 
I mean, uh, uh, the impression that, that that I get is is just one that of <coughs> absolute respect, um, more than anything else. That uh, just seemed like a, a thoroughly thoroughly decent man and beyond being an incredibly successful and, and, and astute manager which is which is evidently the case it, it seems to me from speaking to Morris that, 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 that he's, he's held in an incredible regard uh, by, by people who who had anything to do with him at any stage yeah. of his career yeah Jim final word to you a Rangers a Rangers man clearly but an integral part of United's greatest team I, I, absolutely, Eric. I mean, pretty much 20 years, apart from, you know, the four years here, then 18 months away at Dumbarton, then back to United, both as player, player coach, and probably would have been manager at one stage, at some stage in, in, in the future. I mean, 20 years. Do you think he would have been? Do you think Rice, that would have oh, been the that would have Yeah, been the that, that's always, always seemed to be the natural conclusion, wasn't it? You know, but the Rangers, he was a Rangers man, you know, and um, that was always going to happen, the ex-Axial Junior. But he was, a, he was a great guy. I remember, you know, I mean, I think the last time I was in his company was um, uh, Saturday. The, the, the late great Ron Scott's funeral, which had said, and yeah, which you know, God, we remember that. I mean, all the great and good were there because Ronnie was so well known in the game, um, and 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 you, uh, Walter and Archie, of course, very well off. I always think of Walter and Archie Knox as a kind of pairing, you know, um, some similar type of individuals, uh, great guys. But I also remember what I, I phoned Walter up one day, and it was at the time there was some suggestion he might come back for a third spell, I think, as Rangers, Rangers manager, and he was very coy about it and all the rest. Of it. I said, oh, Well, listen, I'll, you're not giving me anything, so I'll leave you in peace. He went. That's not to say I might not think about it. You know, <laughs> it was just that. That was his story. A great sense of humour. He had a great sense of humour. He was a foil to be Jim's temper sometimes, but he, he could he could lash out himself. He could he could have a, a pretty kind of strong um, a, a strong response if you if you stepped it. As we check young, of course, found out we have an Archie up the tunnel in that legendary video. But he was just a great guy. Um, you know, his, his career started here and, and went on to stellar heights in management. I mean, just a fantastic, a fantastic person, a great, well, it's all been said before, a great human being. He'll be really, really badly missed. I mean, I think, you know, I, I, when Sean had phoned the other day, you know, I, I'd heard a couple of nights previously that he was, you know, that he was really, really poorly. I'd actually been speaking to an old mate of mine who was a, a Ranger scout at one time and, he, he, you know, I knew he was really poorly. Um, didn't maybe expect it this quickly, but... Um, I had my pal up there doing a, who's an electrician doing a wee bit of work in my garage and he was saying that when he you know I mentioned this in my career come day that like a lot of other tradespeople in Dundee he went to the Kingsway Tech where you know if you were a plumber a sparky a brickie you went and did a lease and of course United had this great link with the club I mean with the college Ian Campbell who was Jim's first team coach for years as well you know um, uh, Ian was the head of PE when I taught at Dundee College all those years ago so Ian, Ian quite often would have uh, you know uh, Watty or Hamish Carpenter or Kenny Cameron, who became a, a PE lecturer himself at the college. You'd have these boys in doing a wee bit of kind of PE coaching for, for students and all the rest of it, you know, stuff like that. And and they, have, they would have these kind of lunchtime games at either five or sides or head tennis. Uh, and, and my pal was telling me, he says, we're brutal, you know. <laughs> he got in the way of kind of Walter going up for a high ball. You thought nothing of, you know, just banjoing you right out of the way. He was a tough, he was a tough old cookie. So it was really, really so sad uh, to, to see him going. I mean, I, I have to say, I always, you know, for all the Rangers, Everton, Scotland stuff, I just think of him with Dundee United. You know, that, that that's what I think. I just think his, his long, long connection with Dundee United because it was a period where he was just always, always there um, about the place. So that, that's how I remember him, you know. Ah, well said, Jim. Well said, well said, Sean. Okay, thanks very much, guys, and thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye, Steve.
If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people to find Talking Football, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget too to pick up your copy of The Courier Monday to Saturday, or go to thecourier.co.uk slash subscribe to find out how to get our award-winning sport, business and local journalism across Tayside and Fife in the way that's right for you. The Courier. Local matters.